Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Are you willing to put in the work to have a successful long-term relationship? It's impossible to maintain anything 100% of the time in any relationship, let alone a marriage. So knowing and understanding that like things are going to teeter-totter, go back and forth, up and down, but the commitment to being there and sitting in it and figuring it out is what's going to get the longevity aspect. I feel like we give up really quickly on relationships when we're not happy, but over long periods of time, there are gonna be times where you're happier than other times. Furthermore, when we say the work, Woo! Get away! Bitch, go! Go! <clears throat> Excuse me, guys, this is a serious podcast about serious topics, and I'm a serious person, so let's try that again. But I believe it's high time that we qualified and quantified what is meant by the work. A zombie relationship is one where it just eats your brains and it consumes all of your energy and it's insatiable. Wow. Okay, so I can share a point in my life where I felt like that's what my relationship was doing. It was there it was like just eating 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 away at me and it did cause Resentment. Nina Westbrook is a licensed marriage and family therapist who also happens to have children with and be married to an NBA all-star. We're going to talk about that unique combination and what it takes to make it work on this episode of Lovers and Friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, Lovers and Friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I say. Hi there, lovers and friends. Welcome to the podcast called The Same Damn Thing I Just Said. My name is Sham Boudram. I'm a public-facing sex and relationship expert who loves talking about all things sex, love, relationships, dating, connecting, attachments, and as a result, breakups. And this episode is not about that. Nina Westbrook is not announcing her break from her long-term successful marriage. Quite the opposite. She's talking about the work to stay together, which is why I thought it was interesting to begin this conversation through the lens of breakup, specifically because at the time that I'm recording this, yesterday news broke that Tiana Taylor and Iman Shumpert, whose name I never felt comfortable saying, Shumpert, um, broke up, they ended or decided to announce that they have separated and have been separated for quite some time. And I came across this tweet that I thought was interesting, which said, Ariana Grande and Dalton Gomez are getting divorced. Hugh Jackman and Deborah Lee Jackman are getting divorced. Jeezy and Jeannie Mai are getting divorced. Tiana Taylor and Iman Shumpert are getting divorced. And then they have divorced divorce lawyers in 2023. <laughs> While divorce lawyers and people who struggle with schadenfreude, which is a German word to describe those who delight in the misfortune of others, we don't have a word for that in English, which we should because many people struggle with this. While those individuals might be having a heyday right now in the wake of these relationship collapses, people like myself and probably yourself are struggling a little bit because I think what happens, which I understand, but I get frustrated by, is that public-facing couples 
share with you how they met. They share with you the delights. They want you to come along for the ride, sometimes by watching reality shows or buying their books. And they do this big, you know, expose into their relationship and how great it is. But when we learn that there were issues, everybody gets tight-lipped, which leaves us trying to figure out what went wrong. Now, I acknowledge that everybody decides in this world where they lend themselves to, where they devote themselves to. So, for example, in the Tiana Taylor case, maybe she's not willing to open up her relationship issues for us all to learn from, but she does share her art in many forms so deeply and so intimately, and I don't do that. As a matter of fact, recently our family was walking and we were stopped to do this karaoke thing, and my immediate reaction was absolutely no. Excuse me. Hi, for $20, you wanna do e-try karaoke? I am not willing to put myself out there in that capacity in any front. So who am I to critique people who are not willing to put themselves out there in the way that I am? Because again, there's areas in which they are so vulnerable and open that people benefit from. Nonetheless, it does leave this gap for everyone else to figure out where we do want to understand what happened or what went wrong in these intimate settings so that we can learn from them. So I've talked before about the four-legged stool. Four legs of a stool in a relationship are attraction. And that's important. It's the rocket that sets a relationship off. Then you have shared values. Is what matters to me, what matters to you? Mm -hmm. And how does that show up in your everyday choices? What do you prioritize? What is the compass that guides you? Then there's long-term goals. What do you see for yourself down the line? Do we have shared long-term goals? And then there's lifestyle. Mm -hmm. How I want to spend my free time, is that how you like spending your free time? Mm -hmm. So in reflection to that, do you feel like you guys had a four, a three, two? I felt like we had a seat cushion. We had a track and a slide. Okay. <laughs> That's what I felt. What I would like to add to this theory is a fifth leg, which now no longer makes this a stool. It makes it, I don't know, what does have five legs? A spider. That's eight. So we've got the five fingers of a healthy long term relationship or the stable claw. We'll work this out as we go along. There's attraction. Do we have shared attraction? Do we have shared long-term plans? Do we have a shared lifestyle? And then do we have shared values? And underneath values, we can put other important tent poles of commitment. Like do we have the same ideals around fidelity, around cheating, around investment of money? Um, and then long-term goals will be family planning, et cetera. Anyways, you can kind of get where different facets of life can fit underneath these four different buckets. The fifth one I think needs to be added to the conversation. I think especially applies to celebrity relationship and increasingly applies to everyone because through social media, we are all celebrities. If we participate to some capacity, we're all public figures, is social perception. And in a relationship, we have to align on our social perception, both as individuals and how our individual perception impacts our shared perception as a couple. And then how that layer of social perception can really impact everything else. It can realign someone's values um, because they have different needs. It can realign someone's long-term goals because maybe they're, they're really trying to figure out a new sense of self and meaning, which can detract from other long-term plans like the family. There's a whole host of things that can cause a ripple effect from that. And that, I think, speaks to the depth of the work in relationships. And also we have to acknowledge that the work continues to get more arduous and our education and our support system is just not keeping up, right? We're becoming more intertwined and enmeshed with our romantic partners. 
um, more aspects of our life. Esther Perel, of course, talks about this very meaningfully when she discusses the difference between how our hunter-gatherers used to exist in partnerships and how we do today. All my needs these days is a phenomenal list. Never before have people invested so much in love and never before will they be so disillusioned by it because I want with you basically what I normally would get from an entire community. Long story short, relationships are extremely hard. The more dimensions that you add to your relationships, the more difficult that it is. And historically, we keep adding more and more layers and our support and our education is not keeping up. And you know what else is absolutely not keeping up? Our level of grace for each other. Our level of like, wow, yeah, that, that does make sense that that would be incredibly difficult. That does make sense that that amount of pressure would crack people, especially people who really don't know where to go for help or for guidance or for examples. And that's actually why I'm really grateful for this conversation with Nina, because it's showing you the inside of that part that you really don't get to see very often because you see happy couples and because happy couples are invested in that social image and that there's a lot of currency in that social image, they don't really actually show you the inner workings of what that happiness takes or the unhappy parts to get to harmony if you can't have access to happy. And Nina really does give that in this episode. And there's a quote that has been sitting with me from Naval Ravikant, whose work I have been devouring recently. I think this kind of summarizes the meat of this episode. And that is easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. I think you can translate that to relationships. If you put in the hard work, you can have an easy relationship. Or if you are looking for easy, fast connections that you don't put a lot of thought into, you're likely going to have a hard relationship. So that to be said, your hard work is not going to net out to a hard relationship. I think that's the math that was missing for me before. All right, I hope that wasn't too ranty. I want to get some ideas off of my chest. Now let's move into the episode, starting with our first of four sponsors. Now, one of the big things that Naval stresses is to focus on life's big three, which is health, love, and purpose, and in that order. So if you love cooking healthy food and that fuels your purpose, this ad is not for you, but for everyone else who finds staying nourished a chore, listen up. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and it was created to give real people the celebrity treatment. Healthy food delivered right to you and ready in minutes. Every week, you choose from over 34 meals, all fresh, never frozen, including their Gourmet Plus options. You can also grab lunch-to-go options, which are ready to eat without any heating. And if you're struggling to pick your meals, tell Factor what you care about, and they'll make a meal plan for you. For example, they have calorie smart options or protein plus options. And when I tell you guys, you can literally skip the grocery store. I mean it. They also offer snacks and breakfast as well. The cherry on top is you are making a sustainable choice with Factor from offsetting 100% of delivery emissions to utilizing renewable electricity. They are dedicated to preserving our beautiful planet. Now I'm giving Factor a try with my family this week because this is crazy to say, but right now we use three different meal delivery services. One for me, one for Jared, one for the kids. I tried Factor in Canada and I loved it. Let me see if the whole family will finally be able to get on board. So join the Brady family by going to factormeals.com lovers50 and use code lovers50 to get half off. That is code lovers50 at factormeals.com lovers50 to get yourself your half off deal. Now let's dive 100% in to Nina. Hey, Nina. Hi. I learned something new about you. 
Not just arachnophobia, but bugophobia. Bugophobia. And um, I learned that you have a very exciting date happening tonight. I do. I do. So thank you for coming. There's of a lot course. of prep work has to go into this. I was just texting about it. Like, I can't wait for our, our date night tonight. So it is, it's going to be great. So it's basically, do you feel the first date jitters? Because you're not, you're married and you've been married for 18 years. No. Eight, eight years. But together for 18 years. Together for eight, 17. 17. Yes. I'm about to say, like, you basically have, like, raised your marriage and now it can go off to college. Like, we have. It's, really it's kind of... I think, are we into the territory of we've known each other longer than we haven't? I think we might be. Oh, that's beautiful. And so I want to <laughs> chat with you about what makes a marriage work. And not only do you have the track record of a long marriage that is fruitful, you guys have started businesses together, you have created life together, you have probably moved homes many times together, mm-hmm. gone through tragedies and ups and downs, but in addition to that, you are also a licensed marriage and family therapist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this question is one that you're going to have a bomb-ass <laughs> answer to. So I hope give so. give us the secrets, <laughs> Nina. Uh, I mean, I think that, honestly, this, there, I don't know. The secret is it's going to be hard. There are going to be challenges. It's going to be ups and downs. And the secret to longevity in a marriage or a relationship, I think... First of all, you have to have two people who are 100% committed. Um, not 50-50, not 80-20, but the commitment from both people have to be 100%, which means that when there are challenges or issues or struggles or disagreements in a marriage, each person person is 100% committed to working on it, correcting it, fixing it, and that means that there should be no traumatic, drastic things that are happening in the marriage. Because if you're putting 100% effort into fixing and cultivating the marriage and the relationship, whenever there's something that's throwing it off track, then you should get there, right? You should get close enough. There's a viral clip going around right now that someone is saying, that that's a myth that it's marriages are about a hundred, a hundred, about fifty, fifty. Because she's like, sometimes you only have ten percent, mm-hmm. and you can vocalize that and say you only have ten mm-hmm. percent. But I like that you differentiated and said that the commitment part has to be one hundred percent. It does because everything. I mean, the thing about marriage that I'm sure you know is it's constantly changing. If you get your mindset on one way that things are going or one thing that's happening over time. It's impossible to maintain anything 100% of the time in any relationship, let alone a marriage. So knowing and understanding that like things are going to teeter-totter, go back and forth, up and down, but the commitment to being there and sitting in it and figuring it out is what's going to get the longevity aspect. I feel like we give up really quickly on relationships when we're not happy, but over long periods of time, there are going to be times where you're happier than other times. Um, and then there are some times where things are just in a, you're in a good flow. You're, you and your partner are in a good rhythm and it feels really good. Like, oh yeah, this is why we do this. This is great. And then sometimes it's like, well, why are we doing this again? So it's just the understanding and the commitment is, is for my marriage. 
um, that rhythm part that got into my head because you know when you're out at a club and you're dancing and you're like, I am on beat. <laughs> I am hitting it. I am doing it. And then you try something else or try something new and you're like, this is awkward. Like you just know in that moment that you, you've you lost it. Exactly. Uh, and then you could sit down and go home or you can be like, no, I'm going to try to get through this awkward little bit and find the rhythm and find that groove again. Because I, I do want to break apart the word work because it's – the secret that you said, mm -hmm. which it's not a secret. Mm -hmm. I think the secret, though, is what does that word actually mean? What does work look like in mm -hmm. marriage? Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks different for everybody, and and it looks different over time. Like before, when we we're in it, no kids, just hanging out. Work for us might have looked like, you know, I don't know, like me supporting what he's doing in his career, him supporting what I'm doing in my career, meaning taking time out of what it is that we have going on and making sacrifices so that we can be there, be present for the other person. Today, work is like a lot like that that viral clip that you're talking about. Um, when you don't have it and I don't have it, well, who has more? Somebody has to have a little bit more. And giving what that little bit extra that you have, even when you don't want to, or you're tired, or it's hard. That's work. Um, scheduling, planning, date night, trying to make sure you're getting enough time with your spouse and not just, it's your family together. That doesn't really constitute as sexy time. That doesn't constitute as, you know, working on your relationship, like spending time together, being intentional about just having that one-on-one -on -one time when all the kids are around and you guys are in parent, mommy, daddy, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy roles, whatever the case may be, it's, it's, it's just extra effort that, and being intentional, I think, because that's the word everyone gets a little afraid of is, is work when they hear the word work. Yes. I uh, get afraid of that word. I'm do you? Of that word. Okay. But we're working constantly. I'm a therapist. So there are things that we're doing constantly, individually in our everyday lives to to try to progress, move forward, grow, however you want to look at it. And doing all the things that you have to do to get to that place, to get to those places, can be considered work. This is the aha that I've had because I have struggled with the work thing for a long time because I was in a toxic relationship before, an abusive relationship before. And that mantra became my like, chug along, right? Mm -hmm. Like relationships take work. This mm -hmm. is what it's about. Like you mm -hmm. gotta work with it. You have to stick with it. Mm -hmm. And it was backbreaking, soul crushing, mm -hmm. ego crushing, mm -hmm. self-defeating, right. tear inducing, traumatic work. Mm -hmm. And when I got out of that, I was like, I do not ever want to have to work that hard to be respected and loved again. Mm -mm. And now in a healthier dynamic, because I don't want anybody who is in a dynamic that is so incredibly taxing to think that that's normal. No. That's why I think that identifying what work means and what good work feels like, because mm -hmm. we can have jobs that are all those things mm -hmm. that are not aligned with who we are, not aligned with our best self, mm -hmm. and take more from us than they give back. Right. And that's not the kind of job you want to be in either. No. Anything that sounds like a job, too, is doesn't sound fun. 
And I feel like you make a really good point, and that's why even the the whole idea of like what makes a marriage work is the commitment part because things are going to be tough. There's going to be a push and pull, but if each person has a commitment to the relationship and to the other person in whatever way that plays out in your relationship, then the work part should be in there. But you're 100% right. Things should not be like, so at what point or what line do you feel you have to draw the line at putting in the work? Like, how do you identify that point? Because a lot of people struggle with that. I think that the Jordan Peterson had this formula for what makes a good marriage, like just a basic relationship, and it's uh, fair trade plus equal advancement. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the litmus test. Mm-hmm. Do I feel like what I'm giving is equal to what I'm receiving? Mm-hmm. And that's different for each person. Mm-hmm. And then do I feel like we're both advancing because of this partnership? Mm-hmm. And somebody gave me this term before that's called zombie relationships. Look at us. A bee just flew by. Cool as cucumbers. Mm. <laughs> cool as cucumbers. What's up? Head gets on a swivel sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, I always tell people, please, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. I just, for some reason, like things catch my eye and I'm yeah. like swiveling. But we made it. We Let's made do it. it. It's for safe. Um, a zombie relationship is one where it just eats your brains and it consumes all of your energy and it's insatiable. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. been in those before too, where you're just constantly working, constantly trying to think about how to do this. And then it robs you from every other creative outlet. It robs you from being a good mom. Mm-hmm. It robs you from being a good worker, a good sister, a good mother, because the brain power that this relationship takes is just all consuming. And like a zombie's never done eating. Mm-hmm. It's not like it mm-hmm. ate two humans and now it's like, okay, I'm full, I'm chilling. Like mm-hmm. it's gonna keep on going. Wow. Okay, so. I can share a point in my life where I felt like that's what my relationship was doing. It was there. It was like just eating, eating, eating away at me. So much of myself was going into the relationship and it did cause um, resentment because there wasn't that equal balance or partnership in terms of um, equal room for growth for each partner. And that was something that, I kind of brought on myself, though, because I was giving, giving, giving and sacrificing and doing and not really taking into account, taking into account what I wanted and not fully. I still was always on a steady path of whatever it is that I was interested in, what my passions are. But there was a time where it was a very slow, slow crawl to get to that point. Or Were you to a get, mom at the time, too? no. I wasn't. So I think that once I realized how frustrated that made me, we had to completely shift and change the dynamic of the relationship. And girl, thank God you did that before you had kids. Totally. Pardon the interruption, but I do want to take some time to tell you that this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, speaking with Nina definitely reminded me of the importance of speaking with a licensed therapist. Informal like this is definitely helpful. So imagine the powerful insight that one could get without cameras. 
Therapy gives you the unique opportunity to see yourself through an advanced perspective. And if like me, you can get stuck in negative thought cycles, a therapist can help you reframe your perspective to find some mental and emotional peace. Plus, they can help you identify where to put in boundaries to protect that peace. Now, this is not a one-size-fits-all formula, so you need someone who's all in for you, and of course, vice versa. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com lovers today to get 10% off your first month. That is better, H-E-L-P com slash lovers for 10% off your entire first month of therapy. I mean, I feel like I've lived a lot of life in a very short period of time. And what you were talking about is that in, in that toxic relationship or whatever the case may be, um, I was talking to Dr. Romani on my, my podcast and we were talking about narcissists. Yes. Yeah. And what I was hearing you say is that sometimes when you're in those taxing relationships that take everything out of you physically, mentally, emotionally, and you're getting nothing in return, that's a good, clear indicator that you could potentially be in a relationship with a narcissist because the capacity for that relationship to change or for you to get something different or for it to fulfill you in the way that you might be looking for or that reciprocation is just not ever going to come. Can we just talk about um, you? Did you date a lot before your husband? No, not right. No, he was. Yeah, we were babies. Yeah, (laughs) I went back to Toronto this summer uh, for six weeks and my husband didn't come with me. And I ran into like so many of my exes when I was out there and none of their love lives are doing well. (laughs) The petty in me was like. I knew it was you. I knew the whole time it was you. And now you know it's you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, when you said that, that made me think about that. That like, yeah, like when I was with my ex and you, you're you thinking like, is this normal? Is this how it's supposed to be? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's something I'm doing. I could do more. I could mm-hmm. do less. And sometimes a person just fundamentally hasn't learned how to care for others. No. And it, it can take a long time for like the average person to figure that out and to and to recognize this is the, the pattern that we're in. And even when sometimes things start to look a little bit better or they start to look a little bit clearer or you feel like, oh, maybe I can work with this. It's very short lived and things kind of go through, continue through the cycle into the negativity, the toxicity or whatever it is that's, that you're dealing with. And it kind of just stays the same. But it's hard to recognize sometimes when you're in it. When you were in that space where you felt like a zombie-esque style. Did you have your therapeutic background at the time? Like, how did you, because we talk about tacit knowledge versus structured knowledge. So Mm -hmm. tacit is just like, this doesn't feel right, Mm -hmm. but I may not have the words to advocate for myself. I may not know about boundaries, or did you at the time, Mm -hmm. were you able to recognize it and then put language to it and then help your partner to see where you were coming from? I did. I was very early at starting out, I was in still studying. I was still in college and, and shortly thereafter. So I, I had the information. I didn't have the experience yet, I don't think. And it's so funny because a lot of the times when we're experiencing things, when especially when I was younger, I could see and be 
all the things to everyone else, but it didn't quite work the same way when it, I was talking about or thinking about my own life and my own situation. The other thing is I was fresh out of college at that time trying to figure out what am I going to do like with my life, trying to establish myself and figure out what path I wanted to go on. So there was that, that additional pressure and then feeling like I wasn't exerting enough of my own energy into what I wanted. And so not that my partner or my husband was asking for all of this from me. It was just something that I was naturally giving. I do everything, I think, at 110%. And once I realized that all that, like 90% of that was going elsewhere outside of me and it wasn't like a reciprocal thing, then it became an issue. And that's when I quickly realized that I had to start making decisions and choices in my life that based on a very different scale and based on a very different, like, I don't know, like a, a very different scale. Like I had to start making every decision based on if that was going to make me happy. That's when my boundaries came into place shortly after that. Because what was it before that? Um, I was just doing things I felt like I needed to do. And there was a lot of it. My Like my husband is a huge force. He's he requires a lot of everything. If you if he walks into the room, then it's just a lot. And I don't really know how or why he is that way. It just is that's just who he is. And that's probably his gift too. It, it, absolutely. It's it's definitely and there he's not doing anything. He's just there. <laughs> but, but he's very um, tall. He well, dresses he's very not loud. that tall. Yeah, this is true. Well, I guess because you're used to being around NBA players. For normal people. He's a short. He's like short compared to all the other players. He's what, like six? He's 6'3". Six that's tall. It is tall, but that's everyone else is so much day, taller. Of course, but that's still everyday life. Like a person has entered the Maybe room. Maybe I just wish he was like, he could have been a little bit taller. Really? I Maybe. bet he wishes that too. Every I'm man tall too that. though. How, you're tall. How are we? I'm 5'10". You're taller than me? Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Okay, I thought we could be friends, but <laughs> now you got my height complex going. <laughs> I, I don't even know where, what was I even talking about? You said that he requires a lot. He does. So I was given it. like, And, and he was building his career um, at the time, and that required a lot from both of us. A lot of traveling, a lot of hours, a lot of dinners, a lot of work for me. But it wasn't my thing. That's not what I enjoyed. That's not what I wanted. I'm an introvert. I can... I like to go in a room and not be seen and be quiet and be by myself and not have to talk to people. And I'm most comfortable at home, I'm not a very social, outgoing person. I think I thrive in this type of setting, one-on-one -on -one I can do or in small groups. But in, in when I'm constantly with a person who is attracting all the energy in the room without even trying all the time, it made me feel like I had to perform, like put it on. I had to like, I'm always in a state of, you know, living in his world, you know? And so I had to learn, like, I'm not going. <laughs> That's what I had to learn. I don't wanna go, I don't wanna be in that experience. Like, I don't have that experience, it doesn't make me happy. Like everything that I do, if I know that I might be upset about it later that I did it, I'm not gonna do it. And that's how I found my happiness. You you know you're a very peculiar basketball wife. Am I? What? Are you crazy? Of course you are. 
Okay. You've never thought this before? <sighs> what you have you've been around the others. Even when I got invited on your podcast, I wasn't familiar with you and your work, but I was just like, okay, well, <laughs> basket and I've done a few <laughs> because they have some sometimes. Yeah. And there's a, a look, there's a there's an energy to it, but I was like, she's a licensed marriage and family therapist and you're so chic and classy and not what we expect a basketball wife to look like. Oh my like. gosh, I was, I, I, it's, ba- it's the show maybe? I think she slept with my baby's daddy before I was with him. No, I didn't sleep with you with him. Popping in to share that today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Acorns helps you and your kids save and invest. The best part, there is no expertise required. Investments are automatically put into your diversified portfolios based on your risk tolerance. Acorns has exclusive financial education content for your entire family. So do I understand that investing for my kids is important? Yes. Do I have the time to sit down and figure out how to do that? Well, actually, it turns out that I do because I use Acorns. Acorns takes only a few minutes to set up and it allows me to automatically contribute on a regular basis to a portfolio that again is diversified for me and based on my risk tolerance. It is genius. Pat on the back for me for being the super parent. And of course, Acorn gets some credit here too. The sooner you start investing, the more chance your money has to grow. Because from Acorns, Mighty Oaks do grow. Head to acorns.com slash lovers to download Acorns to start saving and investing for your future today. Remember, this is a paid testimonial and may not be representative of all clients. Compensation provides incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash lovers. Investment advisory services are offered by Acorns Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services provided by Acorn Security, LLC, an SEC-registered brokerage dealer, and member FINRA slash SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. But you're around them, so I wouldn't... I, wouldn't, I mean... Do you, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the others that you meet are very similar, and they are university-educated and okay, having so their own careers. I will say this. Today, I'm not around anybody. I'm not around many people. Um, there was a point when I was young and I wasn't working so much and I didn't have kids where I would hang out and meet people. And I think that maybe there's a representation of, or what you see out in the public is mainly the, or the most, what you see out in the public the most is, is not a true representation of basketball wives maybe that's like 10 percent. really yes what are the other 90 very normal women raising families doing really hard things um, moving around uplifting their lives having careers having you know just normal healthy happy you know functional lives relationships okay because this is my private instagram accounts yeah i'm thinking i have a ton of friends who are literally so smart and amazing and basketball wives and live all over the world that i met through my experience but that's not what you see right because i'm thinking the dream (laughs) is to not work the dream is to be underneath that person's mission whose dream 
a basketball wife's dream? No, I'm a well, basketball were, wife. But the thing is, you are <laughs> s- similar to Savannah, wherein you, you didn't pick a basketball player and say, I want to be their wife. Mm-hmm. You met somebody, you fell in love. That person fell in love or decided they wanted to play basketball. You had other hopes and dreams, and the two of you grew together, and you mm-hmm. built this empire together. Mm-hmm. So I just think that my vision, which could be very incorrect and a false assumption, is that, yeah, that they don't want to work, that there's a, a look, usually a purchased look, and then a personality, which also feels purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, this is good. I like the, I like this conversation. It's actually really interesting, but... Um, What you're saying is true. I do recall when I was younger, stepping into the scene, not wanting to, but just because this is my life. um, I felt like people, there were lots of women around, a couple in particular that I recall telling me that I was going to be like this. I was going to be wearing six inch heels. So they were wearing to six basketball inch heels? They, they were wearing six inch heels. And they were telling heels. you, like, this is your future? They were, it was like what you, like, all the things. And I'm, like, in my Jordans and my sweatshirt and my sweatpants and, like, comfortable and happy minding my business. And I'm, like, that probably, that's not going to be me. Like, I don't feel, like, why am I going to come to a two and a half to three hour event and be uncomfortable? Um, but the mindset was, these are the things you're supposed to do as a basketball wife, which is, it was almost like, a. it was, it was crazy. Some of the things that I heard, I actually had someone come up to me and tell me like there was a hierarchy in basketball wives. And if your husband or whatever was a starter or this or that or or the other, then that means you're like higher in the hierarchy. Like what do you get? Better snacks at the box seats? The the I don't know. The I don't know. But anytime something like that would happen to me, it was almost an instant disconnection. <laughs> Just because like I'm not gonna be told or pressured into being anyone besides me and doing anything. And that's just not the way my relationship dynamic ever was. And that wasn't going to change. I mean, I definitely don't think that there's anyone like me, um, just in general, because I am my own person. I'm that girl. I've just really been really fortunate to have Russell. Honestly, and, and and I think he is a huge part, but my it started with my dad. Like He was embarrassingly, like, my biggest hype man, and he kind of instilled in me that I was the best thing since sliced bread from a very young age, and I didn't even believe it then, and I would be like, you have to stop. Like, this is too much. He had big dreams for me, and he was very... Like, he thought I was so special. And I thought it was really weird. And I did not understand it at the time. And as an adult, it taught me to be comfortable comfortable and confident in who I am and what I, ha- what I bring to the world. I also work really hard to be someone that I can be happy with and do the things that I want to do. Um, and then Russell is like, he's 
oddly and weirdly the opposite. <laughs> I told you that kid. That was a big ugly ma. Okay. Russell is like oddly the opposite of that. He's like anything goes. You want to wear your hair like that? Go for it. Looks amazing. You look great. You don't want to get dressed? Put like put some sweats. Like let's go. And, and he's like he's so supportive in every single way. And then he has will that energy never of you're like your dad. Like no matter what you do, one hundred percent of the time he will never. I'm like oh my gosh. Like I gotta get in the gym and like look at this. And he's like oh you look great. You're fine. And I'm like no I'm not. And so he's like that, super fully supportive, very positive about everything, never complained, never had one negative thing to say about how I looked, how I dressed, the way I was wearing my hair, nothing. If anything, he will tell me if I need some spray for my makeup because I look a little like powdery. Yeah. That's it. That's his one thing. But no, but that's his thing. (laughs) And I appreciate that. I need to know. Yes, this is stuff that I need to know. Um, But you're so right. I never thought about that. He's just like my dad in that way. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I noticed that very early on that he never treated me differently if I was dressed down, but then he never treated me differently if I was dressed up. Mm -hmm. And that got kind of annoying Mm -hmm. because I'm like, Hello, I look splendid this today. This is a treat. Yeah, this yeah. is a treat. Like, but it was always like identical treatment. So it was like, doesn't matter if you're shaved or fully waxed or if you're wearing lingerie or you're wearing stained sweatpants. Like, it's the same. It's a lovely treatment. But I, I do wish that there was like, yeah, my God. You know what? That is really interesting. I think that, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Russell's like that. He's kind of... If there's an extra effort put, typically it's like very dramatic, his response. So it's good. But that's why I never felt like I was missing or or lacking or not doing or I needed to do this instead of that. Like I never, ever felt like that. I had my dad. I had Russell. And that before Russell, it was my dad. And since Russell, it's been Russell. And it, like it, the amount of, it just, the amount of assurance in myself that I've been able to kind of maintain, even in all of the chaos, we've been through a lot of crazy stuff. There are people who would constantly comment and still do to this day think that he should be with someone else. What do you mean? Like who? I don't fit the look or the style or the persona or whatever of, a basketball wife in a lot of people's eyes. I mean, a lot of people who don't like, I'm not, it's just, they don't get it, but that is very much so a thing. And that was never a thing for us though, or for me. Where would they comment that? Social media. Like your, they come to your home or they're over on his page. No, they come to me. You don't even understand the amount of people I've had to block and remove from my social media. It's kind of crazy how interesting people are sometimes. I don't understand why the obsession with him like trickles down to me so strongly. That is, I I wouldn't, I don't have any lens into that lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, it's very intense. And I can't even imagine how sexy it is. It must be to be partnered with someone like you. 
because you are sexy, you are stunning. But I Thank had a you. podcast interview recently where uh, the guy said to me, my dream is just to meet somebody who doesn't feel the need to compete with other women. So that's mm. my dream. My dream is that I can like another girl's Instagram photo and she doesn't care because she knows she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. My dream is that I can have another conversation with someone else and she doesn't care because she knows she's interesting. Mm -hmm. And that I go home to somebody who I don't have to remind them why I went home with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah. It's that confidence. It's, it's just when you feel secure in who you are and you feel good about who you are, what you're doing, that energy and effort you're putting into doing it, it's like preparing yourself for, for life and for everything that's going to come at you. And there's just no reason to look elsewhere or to care what's going on elsewhere because you're kind of in your own little bubble. Like, it's great. I love to just support other people, support other women, especially in whatever it is that they want to do. And um, I can do that because I'm just truly fulfilled and happy with my own self. Is that something that your work gave to you too, the tools to do that? I know your dad instilled that in you. Yeah. Um, honestly, I feel like this is kind of who I've always been. It's just, it's just how I was raised. Uh, my mom, she's the most spectacular, beautiful, amazing woman who but she's very different than I am she's very social and outgoing she will talk to anyone everyone comes to me if they've met my mom and it's like I just met your mom and she's amazing she's like that um and then my dad and she always instilled in me you know education and everything it was never she was never like you need to look like this or you need to do this or like we put zero emphasis on appearance in my, my house growing up. And so I never thought it and understood, like it was like a thing, it was never a thing. And so that along with the confidence factor, I don't know that my dad instilled in me, it just naturally was who I was. And so that's how I got into being, wanting to be a therapist is like, how can I help and assist other people in their journey? I wanna be of service in whatever way that I can. Hi lovers, this is our final interruption before Nina brings this conversation all the way home. But first, can we talk about our gut and how our sponsor ritual can help you feel more in touch with it? Now, to be clear, sometimes your gut tells you to call your ex. Unfortunately, Symbiotic Plus cannot help you with that. But if your gut's telling you it needs a little bit more support, Ritual has got your back. They made this three-in-one clinically studied prebiotic, probiotic, and postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. This daily three-in-one encompasses two clinically studied probiotic strains. It aids in alleviating occasional digestive discomforts and fortifies the gut barrier. And all this encapsulated in a single minty delayed release capsule that does not require refrigeration, which makes it perfect for travel. This powerful baby is in my ritual subscriptions. And if you are ready to add it to yours, Symbiotic Plus plus Ritual are here to celebrate and not hide your insides. It is time to listen to your gut. Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash lovers to start or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. Again, that's ritual.com slash lovers. And act today because if you guys are longtime listeners, you know that 30% does not always last. 
Circling this back to the work component, because this is an aha that I had where people are like, it takes work, it takes work. And I was like, why don't I feel that? Why don't I feel like there is like a labor element to what I, to my marriage? Like, I feel like that's the easy thing in my life. Like mm -hmm. being a mom is, is hard for me. Oh yeah. Um, I will admit that that's, that that's work and it's different. My younger one, it's less work than my older. My older one is a bit more work, but it's a lot more play too. She's a very um, high energy personality, but I was reflecting on the fact that this is what I do for eight hours a day, mm -hmm. five days a week. Mm -hmm. I'm learning from you right now. I'm mm -hmm. learning so much from you. Thank you for that. And then I'll end this and then I will go and research how breath work makes orgasms better. Mm -hmm. And I'm being paid to do these things. Mm -hmm. So the work that I maybe don't feel like I have to do in my marriage is something that I am mm. incentivized to do in my everyday life and practice. So you love what you do. Yes. But, it doesn't feel like work when you love what you do. But I, I guess that's the thing is if you're, you know, a, a teacher for a living and your job is to learn how to be with kids, maybe when you go home, you don't have to feel like it's a job to be with your kids because it's an extension of what you already know. And so maybe for people like yourself and myself who do that internal work, it's in our marriages, we see the benefits of it and that the average person still has to, after they finish a long day of work, go home and read a book or go home and go to therapy or go mm. home and do these intentional practices to gain the skills that we're learning all day long or being paid to learn. Absolutely. And I agree. I think that through all of my experiences, I mean, I would, I was practicing a lot also. I was practicing, I was, did, I've worked inpatient. I've worked in community centers. I've worked with um, elder populations. I've worked with families. I've, I've have a lot of experience and have kind of heard a lot of things and gone through a lot of things with different people. Um, so that also helped pre prepare me. And I also feel like everything can be, there's, there's only a couple things that can't be fixed. If you, if you have the right tools and the right level of commitment, um, you can get to a good and decent and happy space. And that's why in relationships, honestly, what brings the happiness and what makes you feel fulfilled and good in your relationship is going out and doing the things that you need to do for yourself. If each per partner and each person in the relationship can fulfill, find ways to fulfill their needs um, outside of the relationship, then it puts less pressure on the relationship if you can do your part for yourself. Because we're all, at the end of the day, we're all responsible for our own happiness. And so what is it, if you don't like something that's happening, in, a dynamic that's happening in your relationship, you can change something that you're doing as well that can make that dynamic a little bit more bearable or make that dynamic dynamic a little bit easier and i'm not and i'm i'm not talking about trauma or abuse or anything of that nature but there's certain little things that we can each tweak in our relationships that are for ourselves that then create a healthier happier homeostasis in a relationship it's like going to therapy you don't technically have to go to couples therapy you can work on yourself and then you come back a better person and therefore your relationship ends up being better it's interesting because i'm thinking about even that time that you felt like you were giving and your cup was empty and you were still like getting it squeezing every drop for somebody else 
the reason you do it is because you want to be a good partner. Mm -hmm. But in taking back for you, you probably ended up having a more enriching and fulfilling partnership. 100%. It's that the equity that you talked about. There has to be an equity from both ends. You know, everyone has to be contributing to the relationship. You said there's a couple of things that can't be fixed. What are those things? Narcissism and abuse. I mean, you. I. that's not something that you can fix on your, like, for, for yourself. If you're in a relationship with someone who has narcissistic personality disorder, because a lot of times that word gets thrown around, there people, if someone does something that's selfish, it's like, oh, you're a narcissist. No. I mean, it's very, very, it's like the guidelines and the rules and the things that make up a narcissist are very, very precise. And most people are not narcissists. Um, but when that happens, there's really no, there's no ability or no room for change. Like what you see is what you get. And you can adjust yourself in the relationship, if it's serving you in some way, it could be like serving you in a financial way. Maybe this person is taking care of you and your kids, so you're willing to put up and deal with this, knowing that you're never gonna feel the love and be completely fulfilled from this relationship, but it's worth the sacrifice to you. So there's some things that we cannot do that are gonna completely, um, for ourselves, we can't, not have a, the other person a physically a, assault you, you know? But the, there are little things in a functional, healthy relationship that we can do ourselves that make, in turn, the relationship better. I want to get back to that commitment piece before we go because you said you need 100% commitment. Maybe you don't always have 100% effort. Maybe you don't always have 100% like for each no. other. Um. <laughs> for sure. No for both. Hard no's for both. But the 100% commitment part how do you know and what are some of the early signs to whether or not if someone is committed or not? I think that like there has to be an understanding that things are going to be changing. Everything is not like there has to be an understanding that as humans, we change, we grow, we evolve. The person that you're with when you first meet the person, you're not even getting a full glimpse or the full picture of who that person truly is. It's impossible with so little time right and so the commitment no like having these conversations about what a relationship looks like um to you or what a healthy relationship looks like or what would you like your relationship to look like and when you're dating someone um how do you know that this is a relationship that you want to be in because there are different things that that you can look out for is which is someone's um understanding of growth and progress and transitions and hard times and good times and bad times and sad times and the the um idea that when those things happen there are going to be challenges and struggles and there can be ups and downs but if you know that this is the person you're kind of choosing the person that you want to go experience your ups and downs with and that's the commitment the commitment is to you this is who I'm choosing to do this sometimes very difficult thing life with. And if you're good with that, that means you're taking the good and the bad. You're taking the ups and the downs and you're not going to run 
if there's a down. And you're going to know when you're up that there could be a down sometime in the future, but that's okay because you can always get back up. There's um, Dr. John Gottman talks about bids um, being very crucial to the success of a marriage and bids are just like small calls for attention. Mm -hmm. And I think that those are indicative of commitment too. And I think about that really early on with um, Jared and I, where we don't turn each other down, whether it is like, I need toilet paper. I'm in the middle of doing this, but yeah, I need toilet paper. So like, help me out. Or, mm. Hey, can you watch this video? Can I talk to you for a second? Like, Hey, I'm, you're on the phone. I need you to come and help me with the camera. Like, mm -hmm. and in return, if I'm sitting here and he needs something, I would get up and go and do it, even if it's annoying. Mm. So like, I love that too. That's really sweet. Yeah. Those little bids that we, that we take. And so when, do, how do you tell, how can you tell if somebody is willing to meet, is interested in meeting your needs and willing to do the work to do so? Um, are they performing any of those bids that you're talking about? I remember even early on in my relationship, I thought it was quite odd how um, out of Russell's way he would go when I would ask him to do something. It could be big or small. I could be like, can you go get me some Taco Bell? And he like, sure. I learned now he just likes to be outside. So <laughs> uh, years later, I realized he just, he, it, you can tell him to drive to Vegas and back at midnight and he's thrilled to go jump in a car and go somewhere like he likes to be outside um but i love that you thought it was odd you're like why are you yeah why is it so fun and easy for you because if someone told me can you jump up and go grab me some taco bell in the middle of the night i'm like you're gonna come with me like let's make it a fun little date um but no he'll go by himself i think he likes quiet time sometimes um i think that there has to be like a reciprocation when you're first dating someone. Like, do they help with pick out, like plan a date? Do they choose a reservation at the restaurant? When you go to the restaurant, do they like, I don't know. Um, how do they communicate and talk to the waiter? Like I don't, there are many different things that you can be looking out for and that you can see in a relationship, but like asking, communicating, talking, can you do this for me? Like, I, I need some assistance in this area or do you mind like taking my dog for a walk because I'm going to have, I'm going to be tied up at work today and like, see what happens. I don't know. You have to kind of test the theory, but over time, um, that's when things really reveal themselves. It's kind of tricky in that way, but also you can communicate and make a deal with someone about that. Like if I think that's really sweet what you and your husband do. And if, you make a plan to do that. It's like, it doesn't matter what we're doing. Like if someone needs help, then we're going to assist. And then that's just the norm. It doesn't, it's not even a thing at that point. You know what I mean? And then I think it's also about being compatible with the number and the nature of bids that somebody makes because, and I've experienced this in, in friendships a lot where I have friends who have too many bids mm. and I'm like, I can respect that you require this level of attentiveness. I think it's beautiful that you trust me with this, but this is too many bids for me. For me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. I didn't even think about it like that, but recently making new friends is a really, it's a challenge for me because with your friends, however many friends you've had, say you've had them for years and years and years, they kind of know the space you're in. You have a baby, you have a daughter, 
that's a school school age daughter. You have a husband. You're running an empire of things, right? And they know that they don't. There aren't. You don't have a lot of bids to like even give out in this very important and significant relationship in your life. But they understand and they love you and they know that and they don't take it personally. And it's not like oh she doesn't care about me. She has so many things going on that I'm gonna be like cautious and timely with my bids with her mm-hmm. because I love her and I don't want to put additional things on her that she doesn't need but that requires self-awareness and that's what makes a relationship great and vice versa like those are the kind of friends that you don't have to talk to all the time but when you guys catch up and when you do make that time you make it memorable um, that's the best kind of relationship I think you'll just drop a little gem right there. Self-awareness is what makes relationships great. Yeah. Because when you don't have it or when only one person has it, that's when the work part can feel very daunting. I think we brought this full circle. Okay, great. Okay, great. Where can people go to circle back <laughs> Good. and get all the you they can possibly manage? Um. Well, my new podcast, is it new still? We're like... Four episodes in? Hugely new. Okay. Hugely new. I'm a first-time podcaster at Relationship, The Relationship Chronicles with Nina Westbrook. Um, Instagram, The Relationship Cron Pod, Nina Westbrook. Go and listen to The Relationship Chronicles. It is Nina Westbrook's podcast. It is great. I loved the episode with Gabrielle Union. The Kevin Hart one's also really fun. Uh, the one that I'm in, of course... <laughs> Um, maybe skip that one because you already listened to Lovers and Friends, so you know a lot of what I'm about to say. But what Nina has to share is something very impactful and that I am proud to amplify. And I hope that you take the time to amplify it as well with your gift of time. And uh, you can find all the links in the info box or the show notes to get that easy connect. But just look up Nina Westbrook. She is famous for good reason. I really do mean that for really good reason. Speaking of good, I want to close things out by shouting out everybody who has rated and reviewed the podcast. I've been having some hard-to-have discussions around the future of this podcast lately, and rather than focusing on the hard, I've been focusing on the really good, and that's you all. Like I'm just really grateful. I just say that I say that a bit, and I hope you know it's because I I think it even more. We have an episode on gratitude. If you're a longtime listener and you know that in it, I talk about not assuming that people just naturally know how you feel. I feel deeply about you. I feel really grateful for you. I feel a lot of trust with you, actually. I feel like we've built something very solid um, and that has lasting power. And even if you're not here every single week, which I don't expect you to be, I'm happy if you are, but I don't expect that. Uh, Whenever we do tap it, I know it's meaningful. And I'm glad that some of you express that meaning through rating and reviewing the podcast. I mentioned this last week. Somebody brought up to me how impressive it is that I've gotten over 5,000 people to take this step and I don't take it for granted, but I do want more. (laughs) Why not? Um, And let's highlight the people who recently did this. So Amber D, E Noble, It's Dory, Jasmine, Anna with one N, um, who did not write this while she was pooping. She wanted to make that very clear. All had very loving things to say. I also want to encourage you to use the rate and review section as a way to ask questions about the podcast, to dig deeper, to share your own insights that you want other people to hear, to promote your work, um, however it can be beneficial to you because I do read this every single week. So 
look at it as like equivalent to texting me literally like i it's probably more powerful than texting because i for sure will read it and right now i have 98 unread text messages so i'll work on some of those um but you work on that and we'll talk next week bye Thank you for listening. Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment's Shamboodram, that's me, with production support from 2West Entertainment's Adam Krasner and Brianna Barone. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and Shared Entertainment's Jared Brady, who also does the scoring, sound design, and mastering. Lastly, this podcast is powered by Audioboom, who gets us in contact with our incredible sponsors, who the show would not be possible without. You can find the exclusive discounts and links mentioned in this episode right in the show notes or in the info box. Take care. Bye, lovers. Bye, friends. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Yeah.